we can have an impact on people. Each one of us can. But we've got to talk about Jesus. And this world needs to hear about Jesus because this is a world that does not respect life. Does not respect human life. That was so obvious this past uh, couple of weeks when a 36-year-old guy named Seth Aaron After killed seven people and wounded 22 in Midland and Odessa. Some of us have family or friends that live in that area, and so uh, it was of some concern for us when we heard about those events happening. Uh, that morning, this guy was fired from his job, and apparently for good reason, because he apparently has anger issues. And he left there and began his path of destruction. The neighbors described him as a violent man, and they were afraid of him. They said it wasn't uncommon at all for him to be out at night shooting jackrabbits there in their neighborhood. Anger can lead people to do some really horrible things. When we hear those that, that we, we are upset, we think, how can such a thing really happen? People have been acting inappropriately, horribly, shamefully because of anger since the very beginning of time, and I suppose will always until the end of time. When a person is controlled by his anger, the value of people around him is cheapened. And that's very evident in the world we see. It's not something new. It's always been the case. In the ancient world, life was not worth that much. That was evident in the uh, uh, circuses where people would gather and watch the gladiators kill each other. That, there, if you lost, you died. Rulers would often kill others. If they disagreed with people, they just had them all killed. Uh, it's not necessarily... Only the practice in the ancient world, there are still parts in the world today where a ruler will have his enemies destroyed, killed, not just in prison, some places in prison, but in some other places, they're dead. Human life has little value in many places of the world today, and, and not just places other than ours. In the U.S. today, this year, there will likely be something like 16,000 murders. That means that people value poorly the lives of their neighbors or even their family members or their own children. I think they say between three and 400,000 babies will be aborted this year in the United States. More people have died in U.S. abortuaries than in U.S. wars. That's, that's how little human life is valued by so many people. God established the value of human life when He created us. We are created in the image of God. We have something of God in us. There is intrinsic value of God in us. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God He created him. Male and female He created them. 
Now, God doesn't look like us in human form, but there's still something about God in us, in every one of us, in every person that's ever lived, whether they live like they believe in God or not. There's some intrinsic value in us, something of worth, life, the Spirit of God. God told Noah after the flood that there was intrinsic value in human life. He talked about the sanctity of human life. So much so that if someone were to take the life of another human, God told Noah, that person forfeits his right to life because he has so disdained the value of human life. Genesis chapter 9 verse 6, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made him in his own image. We must not take innocent life. We must value life. So in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is talking about how we should live and the values that we should have, he accentuates this, this concept of the value of human life. He's, uh, he spoke to the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder. But he expanded that so that we might understand it's not only the actual life but it's the value of that person. And, and we should act toward that person in a respectful way, realizing that there's something of God in that person. And so our heart and our attitude toward others should respect that of God in each one. Respect human life. To dishonor a person is to dishonor God. Because there's something of God in every every person. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, 22. You have heard that it was said of those of all, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I tell you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. This... Sixth commandment, the law of Moses, that Jesus highlights here in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, is a foundational way or understanding that we need in all of our human relationships, in the way that we interact with each other. God's intent is that we value each other person. God's intent is that we value human life, that we respect one another. We'd be nice to each other because there's something of God in every person. Even those that don't act like it, there's still something of God in each one. But human life still really isn't valued today. Even though we've had the teaching of God now for these thousands of years, there are no gladiators in, in arenas as such killing each other. But the streets are still arenas where people kill each other all the time. Where gangs will be in conflict with each other and kill each other. And a lot of times we think that gang violence is, is one of the worst 
there is, and not to, to de-emphasize that, <laughs> but gang violence really is only about 10% of the murders that happen in the United States. <laughs> uh, a lot of other reasons why people kill each other. Usually you're killed by someone you know, by even a family member. The God of greed receives his praise from us when, when the thief kills those he wants to rob. Or the gods of pleasure and self-centeredness, they, they receive their sacrifice when someone kills someone that's just in their way. Or a child that's yet to be born because that child is an inconvenience in the future plans of someone. Or the gods of hate and vengeance, well, they receive their reward when people fight about their desires or, or their wants. Or the gods of alcohol or drunkenness receive their reward when the drunk driver kills an innocent person. Domestic violence is one of the greatest disrespecter of life in this United States. It's one of the biggest killers of life in our society. That's family members who have such issues with anger and hate that they take out their emotions on those that they should love the most. You probably read this week of this 14-year-old boy in North Alabama, in Elkmont, Alabama, just outside of Huntsville, who killed his father and his stepmother and his three siblings. I thought when I first read that how horrible, and it, and it remains horrible looking to understand that. Uh, it was from a family, apparently, a family of violence, a family of disrespect. The dad was just out of jail on bond. Uh, for uh, armed robbery. The boy had been acting, up, uh, acting out recently. He had recently found out that his mother was actually a stepmother. <laughs> uh, and apparently that didn't do well. Uh, and he had been burning animals and, and uh, broke, setting fires, broke into his school. But that didn't release enough of his anger, apparently, and so he killed his father, stepmother, and three siblings, a 14-year-old boy. We don't respect life. We're not teaching love and understanding and respect for the value, intrinsic value of each individual person. Now, we're not under the law of Moses today. We don't have to keep the Ten Commandments because they're structured so. Uh, but God's moral laws have never changed. They've always been the same. Murder was wrong when, when Cain killed Abel. Murder's still wrong when this boy in Alabama killed his parents. Murder has always been against the will of God. God's moral laws haven't changed. And Jesus makes that point very clear in the Sermon on the Mount. 
He wants us to understand the reason and the importance of being respectful to one another. Here's some things we need to understand about the evil of murder. First of all, murder needs to be punished. Premeditated murder, that is when it is the intent to kill that is fulfilled, carried out. God says, well, that's worthy of the death of the murderer. Uh, now, that's not an excuse for vengeance. It doesn't give me or any of us the right to, to go around saying, well, <laughs> you know, I'm judge and jury and executioner. None of us have that right. The Old Testament law did not allow vigilante justice. It was always to be an orderly, careful function of government. Exodus chapter 21, beginning at verse 12, Whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. But if he did not lie in wait for him, God let him fall into his hands, then I will appoint for you a place to which he may flee. But if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. As you look at all of the Old Testament, you'll see that capital mur murder, it's interesting that our laws in the United States today copy what's found in the Old Testament. Capital murder was when the murderer had laid in ambush. He was looking for a way, I'm going to kill this guy. And he found the way, he ambushed him. Or if he had a deadly weapon, he went to meet him and he carried his gun with him with the intent of doing so. Or if there had been a long-standing feud where it was obvious my intention is to one day get this guy, then it was capital murder. Anything else was not. Anything else, uh, it was not a capital offense. Self-defense, defending oneself, that was not punishable. Uh, the law provided for a trial for the accuser so that mob action or retaliation was never the answer. There was an intent to value human life and encourage society to, to value human life. And capital punishment, as some have said, uh, does that not violate what Jesus says? And the answer is no. King James translation that says, thou shalt not kill is wrong. The, uh, the word is murder, not kill. Uh, and New Testament, by, by the way, doesn't demand capital punishment. We don't have to. That doesn't have to be the case. But even there, it's always a function of civil government. And the church is not a civil government. We do not have the right or the position to call for, never have to call for the, the execution of anyone. Uh, the New Testament, Romans chapter 13, verse four, uh, 4 says that's the state's right and the state's function. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, it's the government's right to use deadly force to provide an orderly society. But it's not my right. I never have that right. I do not have the position, the right, or the authority to take the life of another. 
Another lesson we need to understand about the sanctity of human life is abortion. Abortion as such, well, it's, it's wrong. It's not ever addressed specifically in Scripture because it was apparently just so far out of context with those who would believe in God that it's not specifically addressed. premature birth that's caused by someone is addressed. And the consequences that might follow after that. Exodus chapter 21, verse 22 reads, When men strike to, uh, strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm... The one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Now translations differ into how that is translated. The English Standard Version is very accurate. The Hebrew word for give birth is an idiom if the fruit comes out. That's the idiom, if fruit comes out. The English Standard Version is a very good translation. The New American Standard that I liked and used for years and years is the worst translation of this scripture. There, the New American Standard translates it miscarriage. In every single other occasion, the New American Standard translates that as give birth. That's the only place that they translate that phrase, miscarriage. And it's not a miscarriage. It says, if birth occurs, then punishment according to the results. And the next phrase is life for life. So if the child dies, it's murder. Abortion qualifies, really, as first-degree murder. Why? Well, because it's premeditated. Two, deadly weapon is used. Three, it's an ambush. The child is unsuspecting. The child doesn't know what's happening to it. The victim is innocent, has done nothing to merit the hatred are the punishment given. Respect human life. Respect the sanctity of human life. A third lesson. Personal injury to another person violates the words of Jesus, the spirit of the, tenth, uh, of the sixth commandment. When we disrespect, when we, when we harm, when we... When we do something to each other in a negative way, we violate the sanctity of life that each one of us should have. Matthew, 20, uh, uh, Matthew 5, verse 21 again, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother 
will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Personal injury to another person violates this command. Whether it's with sticks or stones or words, it violates the command. Harming another person is unrighteousness. So gossip is wrong. Uh, Mockery is wrong. Psychological attacks is wrong. Racism is wrong. It violates the sanctity of human life. Mugging, rape, abuse, bodily harm of any kind, all of those are wrong. Some of them have direct commands telling you that they are wrong as well, but they all fit within disrespecting the sanctity of human life. Hatred, prejudices, those are wrong because they violate the sanctity of human life. Even teaching others the truth of God, if it's done with disrespect, if it's done with hatred, if it's done with, with anger, then that even violates this command. And we come to number four, hatred, or rather anger. And we have to ask the question, so if, is Jesus telling me that if I'm angry with someone that I've sinned? Well, not necessarily, but we're getting real close because there is a real strong probability that if we don't control our anger, pretty soon we're going to be in sin because we're going to do or we're going to say something that is wrong. Normally when I get angry, I start doing things without thinking them through very clearly. I start reacting. Instead of acting. And I start saying things that I shouldn't say. With a tone of voice that I shouldn't be using. And so scripture will tell us to be angry and sin not. (laughs) Ephesians 4 verse 28. And Paul reminds us that because all too often when we're angry. We start using words that we shouldn't use. And tones that we shouldn't use. And so we do sin. Scripture tells us don't let the uh, sun go down on our anger because when we start holding a grudge, we start sinning. So we need to resolve our anger. We need to seek peace and understanding. Anger even affects the way we come before God in worship. God so wants us to live in peace And respect for one another that he says, don't come to me and worship when you're in anger with your fellow Christian, with one another, with someone. Verse 23, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. We don't need to live in anger. We don't need to live in hate. Because if we do, we cannot really worship our God. Number five. 
in this context of living in the respect of human life, our righteousness must surpass that of the Pharisees. They understood murder to be wrong, but they looked for loopholes so that they might hate. They looked for loopholes so that they might hurt and harm. We don't need to look for loopholes. We don't need to look for some way to get around anger issues. But instead we need to love instead of hate. We need to do good instead of harm. That's one reason why we're encouraging you in the, to, be a, the, to be the good Samaritan. Practice doing good. We must bless, not curse. We must show mercy, not condemnation. We need to love our neighbor, not do harm to our neighbor. That's how we need to live in this world. That's what Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. To do good to all. Let me encourage you, live by the will of God. Live by His love, live by His standard. Live in the new life that He gives. We do have new life in God, in Jesus. He gives us new life. He gives us that new start in life. In Jesus we can have a new life, our holiness restored. Paul would say, if you are in Christ, this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, if you are in Christ, we are a new creation. Most of us have started over again, a new creation in Christ. Not everyone. There are some of you here this morning that as of yet have not been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. You don't have that new life yet. Baptism is when the new creature is born. Paul in Romans said that the old self dies and in baptism we are raised to walk in newness of life. Romans 6 verse 3. Don't you know that all who share in Christ Jesus by being baptized also share in His death? Then we were baptized. Or when we were baptized, we, we died and were buried with Christ. We were baptized so that we would live a new life as Christ Jesus raised to li- uh, was raised to life by the glory of God the Father. We need to remember that in the way we live each day. We were raised to live a new life, a life that respects others, that respects the dignity of each one. In the way we talk, in the way we act, the way we interact with each other. Sometimes, however, we get sidetracked. We revert back because we live in a world that is evil. And evil starts coming out of us. John wrote that if we confess our sins to God, He can always be trusted to forgive us and take away our sins. We get new starts. 
Yeah, we got a new start when we were immersed into Christ, a new life. But we get refreshed life all the time. Every day can be new. In fact, every day is new. Because every day we are forgiven again. Every day we are given uh, that new energy in the Spirit in us. If you're having trouble, let us pray with you that you have the Spirit of God, the energy from God to live lives in service to Him according to His will. And that you respect one another and talk in that way. React with each other in that way. Jesus came that we might have an abundant life. He came because He wants us to enjoy life as one created in the image of God. Satan had so tarnished that, so harmed the image of God that is in us, he came that we might have abundant life, renewed life. John 10, verse 7, so Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the, uh, of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go on uh, uh, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Live the abundant life. And live in such a way that all around might have the abundant life as well. Let's be standing. Again, you can be baptized today and be in Christ. And we will celebrate Christ in us, in you. We can celebrate eternal life in the Savior. We can celebrate God in us. We can celebrate the image of God in us. We encourage your response while we praise God in song.